I thought some interesting factors. We could start with the truism that it's the cover-up. It's always worse than the crime, although yep. I'm not sure this rise, rises to the Watergate level. In this episode, Tom and Matt take up the case of former Citibank employee Sabolix Teke. He was terminated for cheating on his expense accounts in a fairly non-material amount of money, but then lying about it when he got caught and there was an investigation. He was terminated by Citibank. That termination was upheld by a London-based UK employment tribunal. We take a look at the role of ethics in everyday workplace, why this case has caused, frankly, such a ruckus, and the compliance professional lessons learned from this most interesting case. If you've not done so, I hope you will leave us a review and subscribe to Compliance Into the Weeds. Compliance Into the Weeds. Welcome back, Matt. Hello, Tom. Good to be here. Matt, today I thought we might take up the ethics in compliance and ethics. You had a really interesting blog post. It gave me pause to read my favorite newspaper in the world, the Financial Times, a few articles, uh, but some greater points in both the FT and in your blog post. So you want to set us up? Sure. So this was a wrongful termination lawsuit that Citibank won, uh, filed by one of their former employees who claims that he was wrongly fired for fibbing about a really immaterial amount of money on an expense report. Uh, begging the question then is the ethical issue here his fibbing on the expense report lying in the investigation about it did we really need an investigation over something so trivial and all sorts of really good issues about what ethics enforcement is really about um it's not really a, a very pretty case to think about because unfortunately you know somebody here did something wrong and got fired but the employee in question worked at Citibank's London office. His name is, I believe it's Sabolks Fiquet, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, Fiquet. Um, Mr. Fiquet worked at Citibank in its London offices since 2015. He was an analyst there. And uh, in 2022, he was assigned to a three-day trip to Amsterdam, went on a trip, took his romantic partner along, and at some point during the three days, bought a coffee and sandwich for said romantic partner. And he then padded his expense account by recording that he had two coffees and two sandwiches, um, which then led to an investigation by Citi. Be not allowed under Citibank policy to treat your spouse or romantic partner to uh, any meals when on travel with them. Uh, led to a big investigation. He lied about it. Eventually, he came clean. They fired him. Uh, lawsuit ensues. And then an employment tribunal in London upheld Citibank and basically said that Mr. Fiquet was out of luck because he had lied about the uh, nature of his infraction. And we can go from there, Tom, but that's the case in a nutshell. So that case um, turned on, uh, I thought, some interesting factors. We could start with the truism that it's the cover up is always worse than the crime although yep. I'm not sure this rise, rises to the Watergate level. But for, for me, Matt, it brought up a couple of different issues. One, uh, sort of on the tactical level, 
city one because they documented this and they mm-hmm. could present evidence. So I get to say document, document, document. Uh, number two is that for me, the bigger story was not that he was terminated or that he lied. It was if you allow this kind of behavior, you don't know where it's going to lead, but it's not going to lead somewhere well. And if someone's willing to lie on their expense report and don't tell me everyone does because everyone doesn't, but if you're going to lie to investigators, what else are you going to lie about? What are you going to lie about when you're branch manager, director, regional manager, any of those? And uh, just thinking about Sam Bankman-Fried and reading Michael Lewis's book, um, the signs were there. Uh, the signs were there in Enron. Ken Lay had cheated 20 years before Enron at another company. And so the these types of character defects or character deficiency, you don't wake up one day and say, I'm going to be a lying, cheating scumbag now. You were always a lying, cheating scumbag. Here he just got caught over a sandwich and a coffee as a lying, cheating scumbag. And Maybe that's a little unfair, but uh, I think, For that reason, these ethical rules are important to consider and follow because if someone is willing to break them at this level, who knows where that could go? Well, I I think that's all, those are all worthy threads that we should tug on. Let me give a couple of more facts and color to the background of this case just to make it come alive here. So, as we said, um, Mr. Fiquette bought two coffees and two sandwiches, then s- submitted an expense report for that. Um, one point that he raised repeatedly is that under Citibank policy, an employee is allowed to spend up to 100 euros per day on travel incidentals. And I don't know exactly how much two sandwiches and two coffees cost in Amsterdam, but I was there over the summer. I know it's not 100 uh, euros. So one point he raised was, why are we making a big deal out of something I was permitted to do anyways, except in another perspective, he was not allowed to do that. Citibank does have a very clear policy that, like all employees, Mr. Fiquette had to read and acknowledge, saying you can't have spousal travel costs on your expense report, and yet he did it. So he was trying to thread a needle between two policies that you might say were inconsistent. At least that's what he tried to say. Um, At first, the Citibank supervisor said, is this for real? Because that's a very odd thing. Were you extra hungry that day or what was going on? Why did you have two sandwiches and two coffees? That makes no sense. Um, And he originally, he lied about it. He said, yes, that is all for me. And then eventually, as they escalated this, they did. They referred it to city's ethics investigation securities function, um, who then conducted, uh, I guess, a more thorough investigation and interrogation of Mr. Fiquette, at which point he then came clean and said, okay, I lied. It was stuff. It was food for my romantic partner. Um, and that was his undoing. Um, He claimed for a while that he was on medication and suffering the loss of a family member at that time, so he was not necessarily thinking clearly or understanding what the email interrogations were really asking. That's what he said. Um, But he put all of that into his wrongful termination lawsuit, and I just wanted to call up what the judge ultimately said here. Um, 
you because at some point, once this all became really messy, Mr. Fiquette did say, oh, well, maybe I just submitted this in error because, you know, I was on this, these meds. I did lose a family member. Um, pay no attention to the lies that I gave at the first part of this investigation. So the judge finally said, I have accepted that the expense report may have been submitted in error. However, I am satisfied that a dismissal in relation to the misrepresentation allegation alone, the part where he lied, that would fall within the band of a reasonable response by a reasonable employer. And the judge is right on this because really, as you said, Tom, this is about trusting your employee. So we should be clear that Mr. Facchetti, he he did lie. Um, I'm not sure that uh, any other of us might have done the same in similar positions. I think a lot of people have probably fibbed on their expense report to some extent. I probably have done that in the past myself. I bet a lot of people listening here have done that. But there's a difference between lying on the expense report to an immaterial amount and lying in an investigation, which I don't necessarily think there's an immaterial way to lie to your employer about something like that. Um, that really was the problem here. And I will even quote the judge in this case. So at one point, Mr. Fiquet, he did try to exonerate himself or absolve himself by saying that he filed the expense report in error because he was on medication, because he was in mourning over the death of a family member. Um, that was one excuse that he had given early in the investigation. And then later on, he came clean and said, yes, I lied later in the investigation while I was still trying to save his job. Uh, but the judge there ultimately wrote this in his decision. I have accepted that the expense report may have been submitted in error. However, I am satisfied that a dismissal in relation to the misrepresentation allegation alone, the part where he lied to his employer, that would fall within the band of a reasonable response by a reasonable employer. So, Tom, here was this judge basically saying that, you know, it's more about your commitment to ethical principles that I guess maybe we want to try and draw some distinctions between some of them. That sounds a little bit backwards, but sometimes, you know, in the real world, that's what happens. Um, you know, are you going to lie about a $8 sandwich? Maybe. Is that a white lie? Potentially, if you're getting a hundred euro daily credit, but it's not a white lie to lie to investigators when they're saying, please tell us the truth. And you don't. And that really was the issue here. So I think a lot of compliance officers would probably look at the facts of this case and say, yes, this is a no-brainer. Uh, Mr. Facchetti should have been fired uh, because you can't trust him to tell the truth. But that doesn't mean that enforcing ethics is a neat, easy thing. This case doesn't really strike me as neat and easy. It strikes me as kind of messy and sad. Um, it's a shame that Mr. Fiquette violated expense policy. It is worse that he then lied about it. Um, it is a shame that the company is going to have to you know, upend his career and fire him over something that really was, at the start, quite immaterial, but by the end was quite serious. He was lying in an investigation. And you're right. If you lie about the small stuff, what's to stop you from lying about the big stuff? How can a company believe that? And you wind up with these enforceable uh, enforcement internal ethics enforcement actions that are just a reminder of how messy and unpleasant sometimes this can be. 
So I'd like, uh, I certainly agree with you, Matt, that it's sad. And I want to read from the first FT article, which uh, said the senior manager questioned his answer, saying, quote, the receipt appears to have two sandwiches, two coffees, and another drink. Are you advising this was all consumed by you, end quote? Fedeke replied, quote, yes, that is correct. On that day, I skipped breakfast and only had one coffee in the morning. For lunch, I had a sandwich with a drink and one coffee in the restaurant and took another back to the office with me and had the second sandwich in the afternoon, which also served as my dinner, end quote. So the reason I found that significant is that that's the fabrication. And it's as clear as it could be that, yes, this wasn't, oh, I made a mistake or please forgive me. This was a clear lie to the investigators. And Matt, I think you're spot on when you start lying to investigators. The employer must ask, how far will this go? And it may have been under the $100 limit. Um, I've had these situations where somebody lied on their expense account. They refused to give the answer to the accounts payable person and that person started looking into it and it turned out they'd violated several policies um, and then lied about it and fired a top salesman at the company for doing that. One time I was called on for having a $200 phone charge and it was because it was 04 and my cell phone didn't work overseas and it was an M&A deal and I had to use the hotel phone and they said, okay, who else was on the call? We want to make sure you weren't talking to your girlfriend. I gave them people on the call, and they all confirmed I was on the call for two hours. So uh, those sorts of checks are appropriate, but you just can't lie like this. You know, the company has to protect itself. I hope Mr. Bedke learns from this, but it's a pretty expensive lesson. You know, Tom, I can remember years ago, I was uh, at a compliance conference and uh, I was interviewing the CEO of a very large food company, you know, one of the largest food businesses in the United States about ethical challenges. And he even told me a story once where his company had to fire basically the, the cleaning lady everybody loves and that everybody had loved for many years that she was there and she embezzled something like $30 and then lied about it. And he said that, look, I can appreciate that we white collar senior managers make hundreds of thousands of year, dollars a year, and we're firing a low in income maid for 30 bucks. But she had lied to our faces about that when we knew that she had stolen the money. And it was all about trust. And then he said, but it still made me feel like crap to do it. And I get that. And that's really like kind of one of the sad lessons that jumped out at me about this, not necessarily the preposterous stories that Mr. Fiquette is conjuring up to try and justify his expense report or how he's trying to wheedle his way out of getting caught. It's more like, do we really have to do this? Yes, we do. If we're going to be serious about ethics. Um, I even tried, Tom, to um, extrapolate sort of a some abstract lessons to learn from this. And really it is all about the importance of aligning your ethics compliance program. Um, you need clear corporate values, such as honesty and trust. You need clear policies. Do not put your partner's drinks on the company tab, or you may get fired. That has to be spelled out crystal clear, which it was. Um, and then clear training to employees. Don't do that. 
Or if you find that you've done it, you, you find that you've done something else and you don't really know how to get out of it, default to our clear values, such as honesty. Come forward and admit, I screwed it up. I did it. I Please forgive me. That would probably be far, far better than to say, I never screwed up. You're going to have to prove it. And I have a hundred euro daily limit and all these other flim flam ways to try and get out of avoiding the consequences of your own actions. Um, you know, crystal clear on the values, on the policies, on the training to help employees either avoid doing the wrong thing or at least, you know, own up to it and get the wrong thing behind you as soon as possible, not make matters worse, which is what happened here. Matt, I'd like to draw uh, maybe a broader lesson and, and see if we can have some discussion on a point you alluded to uh, earlier, and that was the response to the original FT article, which formed the basis of your blog post. There was a follow-up article uh, this week by a columnist, columnist named Polita Clark. And oh, yes. Her article entitled, Why Expenses Are a Fraught Form of Fraud. But what caught me was the following. At the time of the writing and at the writing of her column, more than 500 people had digitally applauded one FT reader who wrote in response to the original story, you can't lie in a bank unless it's a really big lie. Yep. And so that made me think, really, does there need to be a broader conversation in corporations, whether it's training, whether it's ongoing communications or something else that employees need to understand the importance of this. And this is in some ways individual responsibility, but it's accountability to policies and procedures as well. And if obviously we don't know who those 500 people are, they may be looking at the $13 billion paid by Citibank and fines over the better part of the last decade and uh, tut-tutting about that. But it seems to me that there's a broader conversation that needs to occur. Well, I think you're right. And that's a good point to raise, Tom. So the Financial Times did a very good job of writing really the facts of this case and how it was decided. But I also saw that comment from one of the FT readers and many more comments on that original article that were basically so cynical about why uh, Citibank might have done this with Mr. Fiquette. You know, people speculating that they were looking to fire him anyways, and this was a great excuse. Or they, you know, why is it that the analyst gets fired for this, but the senior VP who brings in big deals never gets fired for anything? Or, you know, like that other commenter had said, if you're going to lie to a bank, tell big lies. And, you know, well, first off, I would say that Kenneth Lay and Bernie Ebers and many others in the past, you know, they told big lies and they all wound up in prison. Um but it does point to this really deep cynicism among the public and the workforce that, you know, when you do something that holds people accountable to their ethical standards, they don't believe you're doing it for that reason. And maybe compliance officers would do well to sit down and contemplate why that is. Some of it might be justified because, no, people are not wrong when they say, well, what about the senior VP who takes out a whole bunch of friends and puts that on the expense report. That happens. And yet somebody who is really much lower on the totem pole might very well get fired for it. And that breeds this cynicism. I think it goes back to what I had said before about aligning everything. It also 
stresses the importance of an actual commitment to doing the right thing, even when doing the right thing really sucks, which it kind of does with Mr. Fiquette. And it really sucks when you have to do the right thing to fire a CEO or a top salesman or some up and coming promising new leader who now is never going to be at your company because they had done something stupid. Um, you know, you have to follow through on that if you want your ethical environment to be taken seriously. And a lot of people don't believe it. I'm not sure how justified or unjustified they are with their cynical attitude, but it's a cynical attitude out there. And we would, we would do well to think about where that comes from and why that is. Well, Matt, uh, lots of lessons from this case, uh, some self-evident, some perhaps not, but I really appreciate your blog post because I think it's a conversation that we don't have often enough and one that we should have at least from time to time. Thank you, Tom. This is Tom Fox again. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the award-winning Compliance Into the Weeds. We've linked to Matt's blog posts on this topic in the show notes. I hope you will check out the blog posts for more information. I also hope you will listen to some of the new podcasts on the Compliance Podcast Network. We've premiered a podcast uh, with Richard Blundell on sustainability, the business opportunity of the 21st century, Fox on podcasting, where I take a meta look at podcasting and compliance in AI. We are also developing some additional new shows, which will premiere in July. It's quite an exciting time on the Compliance Podcast Network. If you'd like to be a part of the Compliance Podcast Network, please give me a shout. I'm available at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. Thanks so much for listening. We look forward to visiting with you again. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.